0: Hey everyone, uh, this is George from Avenger Bros, the podcast you're about to listen to. Just a quick heads up, this one runs a little longer than normal, um, and it's made especially longer because I'm recording this sweet intro. Uh, but all seriousness, it runs a little long, but it I honestly think it's one of the best episodes we've ever put out. Um and therefore i am going to tell you i think it's worth listening to through the end uh so hope you all enjoy it and cue the theme song, theme song. Hello and welcome to Avenger Bros, your weekly podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson. I'm your other co-host, Don Sheever. And we're back this week again, a little late in the in the release day, but it still counts as weekly. Yes, um loosely. Very loosely, but still
1: weekly. Don, how have you been over the last few weeks? I've been okay enjoying the weather changing. Uh, Feels like once again, uh, you know, straight to summer. Uh, But that's okay with me. I love hot weather. I, you know, bring me heat, bring me humidity, bring it all. I'm, I'm good with it. I'd rather bake in the sun than freeze in the snow. Oh man, you and I could not be more opposite
0: with that. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg uh, it is man well that's good
1: i i'm 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 glad to hear that for you so you're you're not a fan i mean well i'm asking this like i don't know it but i i I knew as soon as i was saying it that i was going to get the look from you i did um (laughs) so not a not a fan of summer i like the concept um what part what what
0: concept of summer is it that you like uh, well, I should, I. It's easier to nail down what I don't like. Um, okay. I hate humidity. I, I like the the stickiness of it. It just, man. I it, I do not like unless there's a pool nearby that I can can jump into. Okay. Um, I get really hot and I hold heat very well. Um.
1: Oh, look at you.
0: I know so it just uh it god i'm getting uncomfortable thinking about this right now <laughs> it's wow that's just, just i man i growing up that was a one one of the things i did never liked about growing up in this area
1: was just like august and july as yeah. a whole it is interesting the last couple of years is like my my health has put me more in in bed more often and so i've put on some weight over the last couple of years and you know, not, not a ton, but about 15 or 20 pounds over the last two years. Uh, it's my COVID-19 <laughs> instead of my freshman, my freshman 10 or my freshman 20, whatever it is. It's my yeah. COVID-19. But um, so I'm kind of curious how this summer will be because I'm the heaviest I've ever been in my life. And, uh, and I'm not as active as I used to be. And so I'm, I've seen how that has impacted the way that I felt other times, like during the winter, I didn't get as cold as I used to. Uh, so I'm wondering if if pretty soon I will become a summer hater as well. Well, for the last seven years, I have been the heaviest I've ever been in
0: my life, like incrementally. <laughs> Maybe it's gravity and not us. Man, Let's that, just go with that. I really the hope gravitational
1: pull has changed. Yeah, clearly. Yes. Weigh in on that, folks. Uh, let us know is it gravity or is it us? Yeah, yeah. I I, I trust COVID. This,
0: I trust this group to use the scientific method. Maybe not all. I think it
1: depends on which part of the flat
0: earth you're standing on. That's true. <laughs> but we're just hitting all of them right now. I love it. That's right. So uh okay. So let's just do you wanna jump into the topic?
1: Yes. I love that every week you ask me that exact question as if like some week I'm gonna be like, no, George. <laughs> No, nope. you know, i don't, don't wanna jump in i just i wanna i wanna dip my toe i wanna just wade in nice and slowly you know you I just uh
0: wanna give you the option to say no well, no, okay, well, uh, check us out on instagram, Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna ignore me and go anyhow, so <laughs> no, nope, this is gonna be a fun uh another fun week because uh it will be off the cuff for me, so um. Really anxious to get cracking at this.
1: Oh good. Good. Well then I have lots of questions for you. I've no doubt.
0: I look forward to stuttering my way through it and saying lots of ums. Excellent. Let's do it. Okay. Hey so, George, do you want to yeah. just jump in? Sure. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> okay. What are we talking about today, Don? Uh so gonna talk about Acts chapter ten. Uh, currently at dust we've been talking a lot in the book of Acts and stuff. And so, um, talked about the Ethiopian eunuch a couple weeks ago, uh, talked about Acts 10 this week, uh, this coming Sunday, um, which will still be, if you're listening to this one that first comes out, will still be current with that. Um, so the end of May, 2020, but, um, is Shavuot. Uh, Shavuot starts actually. I think it's either tonight or tomorrow night, um, and we call that Pentecost, which is Acts two. So we'll be talking about that this coming weekend. Um, and so, anyhow, we've just been kind of in the Book of Acts, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pepper you with some questions about Acts chapter ten. Okie dokie. So. So you, what do you know about Acts 10? So you know it's the story of Peter's vision. Yes. Um so so this is where I get to put you on the spot right out the out the bat. Right? Off the bat, out the bat? Let's out, do out I like out the bat more. Okay, out the bat. I'm not the brightest knife in the drawer, so um so uh what do you know about <laughs> Acts 10?
0: Uh let's see. Uh, so, I probably haven't read Acts since we, since the Bible study that uh, I did with you eight years ago.
1: But we're going to see how good that <laughs> stuck, huh? You know what?
0: Oh, man. I think that that was the only week I missed, or I didn't take a lot of notes. Son of a gun. I just found my old uh, Acts. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> you did. Notes. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Well, if I remember correctly with, and I, like I said, I haven't read it. There was a Roman official that wanted to see Peter. Peter was struggling because he was a Gentile. um, And wasn't sure what to do about uh, the cleanliness codes. Uh, And I think there was something about breaking bread. I remember Peter's vision from it. So the, so tell me about Peter's vision. He uh, was asleep, and then was brought up on a rooftop, and he saw this blanket laid down over the earth, um, and it was all different types of animals, and I believe it was a conversation between—I can't remember if it was Peter or not Peter, but uh, Jesus or God. I mean, technically, it's the same person. So, um, saying who are you to call something unclean that I've made? So therefore like everything is clean. And it was about, uh, uh, I think that keeping the, oh, what's it called? Dietary. Dietary loss. Thank you very much. Yes. That's about all I remember. Oh, and then, uh, after Peter wakes up and is like, Oh, I can go now. And he starts walking down the road and, and meets up with Cornelius. I think it was.
1: Nailius, Yeah. Nailed it. First try. So I would say that you remembered one really interesting tidbit that I would say that the way you worded it is not how 99% of people would word it, and I love the way you worded it. Oh. <laughs>
0: Usually I do not do very well at these at all, so I am genuinely curious
1: about this. <laughs> Well, wait for it. But the rest is garbage. Oh, no, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so you shared a lot of interpretation. Oh, sure. As opposed to what actually happened, except for one that we'll get to and remind me when we get to it. Uh, you won't know. Uh, but I'll try to remember because you did. You you gave one note about this that, that sincerely is is such a good... Thing that you you grabbed hold of okay Um, great so first of all Peter does not know about Cornelius before the vision cool Um, and so uh, so that's one thing so that was some of your interpretive thing and and listen we all do that right this is this is actually the entire point of me asking you what it's about because Um, And and for the listener, this is such a great practice. Before you sit down and study a passage, if it's one that you have any level of familiarity, even if it's just minimal, right? It's tangential, it's something you heard in Sunday school when you were little, whatever it might be, it is so valuable to first write it out what you think it is if you're studying by yourself or speak it out loud. Saying things out loud is really, really helpful, right? Uh, And so talk through it, write it out, whatever, what you remember this story to be about. And then what's really important is that then when you actually engage the text, you can see the things that you added that weren't there, the things that you uh, maybe manipulated, maybe things that you left out. It's super powerful and really important to get your presuppositions uh, kind of pinned up on the board early. So that way, when you read the text, it gives you some more freedom to read it with clearer eyes.
0: Yeah. I got to say, this was one of the most um, helpful and frustrating parts of discipleship, probably Mm. still, because especially early on, I didn't realize how much of what I had retained when you and I first got together was from commentaries and not actually from the text. And it was key into uh, wanting to know more about what it actually is to be biblically literate.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, George, you want to hear my embarrassing story of how it came to light to me that I I have the same problem and that's when I started doing this with every passage? Oh, please tell me. All right, so you can hold this against me forever. I will not hold it against you, but I, okay. So I I was pastoring, I had been pastoring for a while and I was talking about uh the story of um, uh, of the Exodus, and I think it was Exodus. You have to correct me once I tell you where I got my information from. Okay, and I I later, upon watching a uh, a cartoon movie, Prince out of Egypt, realized that I had some information that I made biblical that was actually from a cartoon.
0: Oh, uh, I'm well. At least it wasn't Adventures in Odyssey, like it was
1: a right yeah. or Davy and Goliath or <laughs> Mickey and uh, me or Veggie Tales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, just so you know, there are not bunnies, chocolate bunnies in the Bible. I'm just letting you know that right now. All you Veggie Tale fans, there we go. So. Uh so I've done the same thing and honestly when that happened I realized that I preached something as biblical that was actually from a cartoon, I had to look very long in a mirror about what I knew and believed about the text. And I'm you know, in some ways I'm grateful for it. I was embarrassed. Uh-huh. Um no one even called me out, I busted myself, which is also a sad thing that no one either my guess would be no one noticed or someone was just too nice to correct me but um
0: well you can also be very convincing when you're when you're like actually teaching to someone and so it's just like i i will say there have been times where um
1: where yeah. i've been wrong and you you no uh, no you i was going to me. say
0: <laughs> i mean no maybe i don't know yet uh, i'm on the spot <laughs> No, it's just one of those things where I, I think that that's also why the work of removing power from the pulpit that we talk about on here is so important too, because like, you know, the people can be extremely convincing when it's coming from the pulpit. So whether or not you think something is incorrect, I would assume at least back in the day, I would be less likely to call someone out, especially in that moment on whether or not it was accurate because... It's agreed it's coming from up there, but all that to say,
1: yeah so let's Acts 10. let's actually read uh about peter's vision um so let's let's read through verse twenty three so we're gonna do nine through twenty three um do you mind reading that
0: no uh okay, this is the NIV, so if you're following along or playing the home game. Okay. Peter's vision about noon, the following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up on a roof to pray to become, or he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals. Uh, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of his vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. uh, So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said uh, to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God fearing man who is a respected or who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that uh, he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Boy, I really
1: got that wrong. So finish reading verse 23. You're not done yet with
0: 23. Oh, God, I hate it when they do that. Okay. Uh, the next day, Peter started out with them, <laughs> and some of the believers from Joppa went along.
1: Okay. So... I so a couple things. So first of all, let's, uh, let's do this. So what are some things that you noticed in here that you said, man, I really got that wrong. So what are just a few things that you noticed? We don't need to reinterpret or anything like that, but just, was there any big things that you noticed?
0: The first thing like, you know, I, while reading it, I recognize, okay, boy, I really had my, my markers uh, wrong. But the, uh, the only thing I would say that's really jumped out to me from the text was, uh, Verse 15 and 16, the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep went back up to heaven. I, you know, it's Peter three times, the crow, the denial. Um,
1: oh, so. yeah, yeah, Peter is good at at effing up three times, right? And it, if you notice, it still doesn't say that he ate anything. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> say, finally, after the third time. <laughs> no, the sheep and went ate. up. Yep, it's like God was like, all right, fine. Uh, not gonna, not gonna get it through your head. Yeah. So, so where is? And you can use the beginning part of chapter ten to kind of suss some of this out. Um, so where is Peter staying?
0: Uh, Caesarea Philippi. Uh, no, 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 no. Nope. Nope. I, I really screwed that up. I just said the first village that I saw in the text. <laughs> Uh, okay.
1: Um Well you read in the very last verse what city he's in. Oh, Jopa. Joppa. Joppa. It might be Jopa. I don't know. Yeah. But I always think of Penn State when I say Jopa. So, yeah. Okay. Um so and and where was he staying in Joppa? Uh at someone's house.
0: Oh, uh, hold on oh verse six yeah uh okay simon the tanner that's gonna smell
1: yeah and where's his house by the sea okay so let's let's begin there because this is one of the things that i think we're not good at and that is attentive reading right okay so there's a few hints that's given to us immediately Uh, and you kind of made a sound about, uh, Simon, the Tanner. So why, why did you react that way about Simon, the Tanner?
0: Uh, usually urine is used in tanning leather. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, what would that have made them? Unclean. Um, yeah, unclean, impure. Impure. Okay. So right. Impure Impure. would have been more so. um, Thank you for the correction. They themselves would would not have been unclean right um and so they would have been impure so before they could go into the temple they would have had to do what wash yeah go through a mikvah right so a self-baptism basically uh in order to get ritual purity um and be able to go in now the city why do we know this city that is a great
0: question I know. And we are taking phone calls right now, in case anybody wants to. No, uh, I can't. I have no recollection. Currently.
1: So there is a story in the text. It's a pretty famous story about someone in Joppa. Okay. Any any guesses? Um. Abraham? It's a great guess. It's very wrong.
0: Well, that's how I roll. I have... To, I, I cannot remember. I have no idea.
1: But he rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a big ship going to Tarshish. Who is he? Jonah? Yeah. Right. So Jonah, the story of Jonah, when, when God comes to him and tells him to do what?
0: Uh, go to Nineveh to tell the Ninevites about Yahweh and the forgiveness that he would offer. Not he, the forgiveness that Yahweh would offer.
1: Close. To go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. That's it. Repent so um so here we have a story of jonah going to the gentiles to hopefully bring what how would you say that how would you phrase that evangelical think evangelical go to the go to the uh lost and bring what salvation there you go right so Here, Jonah is told to go to the Gentiles, tell them to repent so that they could receive salvation and be rescued from God's wrath, right? And so now we are where in Acts 10?
0: We are in Joppa, which I assume is within the Roman Empire.
1: Well, but still, what's this story about? What's God going to ask Peter to do?
0: To go to meet up with Cornelius
1: so, so that he repeat.
0: can so that so that Cornelius can hear what Peter has to say about the way
1: or more simply <laughs> to, to evangelize gentiles. Peter will go to the gentiles and offer salvation
0: <laughs> i mean 6 to 1 half dozen to the other
1: yes So now, so we have this picture and and I really think it's important for us to recognize this connection, right? That, that the author of Acts or divine uh, interaction, whatever it might be, we find uh, Peter in Joppa and being called or told to go to the Gentiles, be willing to go to the Gentiles. Right. So now if you're familiar with the Hebrew text and you're a listener, what are you kind of on edge to see what happens?
0: If he's going to go or not.
1: Why? Why is that what you're on edge about?
0: Um, because Jonah didn't initially.
1: Yeah. Because we, Jonah goes the other direction.
0: Yeah. With Peter being by the sea. I mean, <clears throat> it would make sense if uh, he were trying to run away, he'd hop
1: in a boat right? And head towards Tarshish, right? Like part of me wonders if like any of the listeners would have been like, okay, is he going to Cornelius's house or is he going to Tarshish? What's happening? What's going to happen in this moment? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about the vision now that you've read it.
0: Okay. Um,
1: So start with the first thing. What's lowered?
0: A sheet.
1: OK. And how is it lowered?
0: Um, by its four corners.
1: Why tell us four corners? Why not just say a sheet was lowered? Like, why do we need to know it was lowered by its corners?
0: Um. I uh, I want to say it's connected to the four-footed animals, but I have no idea.
1: Yeah, they actually were parachuted in, one corner tied to each one of the foot of the four-footed, and they were just I, dropped, airdropped. It was like Dumbo Drop. What was that movie?
0: Operation Dumbo Drop, starring Operation? Ray Liotta
1: and Danny Glover. Oh sure, now you have facts.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're asking me about Disney Channel original films from the '90s. I
1: got facts. So, okay, so the four corners. Now, I do want to point out that I had someone present a really interesting thought on this that I had never considered and I want to look more into. But they associated the four corners with the four corners of a garment that the Zit, Zit are on that are about Torah. Um, I had never considered that. Wow. Um, and so uh, I just want to throw that out. Dan. Osborne, you're the man. That was an amazing connection I had not considered. So Great job, uh, so I'm not going to speak to that because I have yet to study it out, but it's a really intriguing idea. But four corners, and where is it lowered? Um, to the earth. Now that's the part you got right that I thought was interesting in your – And you're telling of it because I think most people perceive that this was more like a picnic blanket, lowered down on top of the roof that Peter was sitting on. Right. Um, That's how most people, when I've asked them to explain it over the years has kind of viewed it is that this blanket is lowered down, uh, almost presenting it just to Peter. Right. Got it. But where are they supposed to take the gospel? To the four corners of the earth. There you go. So there's your four corners, right? Okay. And so the, it's lowered by the four corners to the earth. So when you said to cover the earth, because I think that was your exact phrase, I might be wrong, but you said it lowered uh, across the earth or over the earth. You said something like that to imply that it fully covered the earth, our flat earth, right? Yes, our very and flat earth. That's how it has four corners. It's not even round, um, so when it's lowered down, Peter sees what? Uh, the, er, the earth getting covered.
0: Okay. But what does he see on the sheet? Um, all kinds of four footed animals, reptiles and birds.
1: Okay. And, and how are they described? As clean? Nope. That word is never used.
0: That's true. Um, That's not true. The second voice said, don't call anything impure that God has made clean.
1: Okay. But I mean when it says it's lowered down. Oh, got it, got it,
0: got it, got it. Sorry. Um, I'm jumping the gun here. Or the shark, jumping the shark.
1: Uh, Okay, Fonzarelli. Older than 20 years, got it. Yeah, way to go. Um,
0: Could you rephrase the question? I'm not sure I
1: understand what you're asking. Well, you were on the right path by saying clean. Okay. Oh. Impure? In verse
0: 14. Truly not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure
1: or unclean. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So there's animals on this. Now the word impure, we just said it about being at a Tanner's house, right? You would have been impure. Yes. And so how does impurity happen? Um, by not following Torah. Uh, loosely, yeah. But so, so this whole thing with the urine and the Tanner, how would you become impure in that setting? Um, by pissing on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. There we right? go. Like <laughs> okay, coming yeah. in contact,
0: coming urine, in contact
1: yeah. with urine would make you impure. Yeah. Right. And so if, if these animals are impure and unclean, what can we suss out is the makeup of the animals that they come into contact with their piss. No,
0: no, <laughs> I mean, maybe but... I mean uh I mean, I would say that they're not in or they're described as not being able to be consumed in the dietary laws,
1: but why uh, what do you mean I mean, why would that be your assessment,
0: because the little that I remember um if uh, if they're not in with, if they're not within the dietary laws, you should not eat them. I mean, I'm shooting from the,
1: yeah, that's fine. So you mentioned in your, uh, original, uh, paraphrase that God declares all food clean kind of thing. Sure. What you said, right? Yeah. Um, and almost does away with the dietary laws in this story.
0: Well, I, I would say he, by declaring the food clean to peter probably yeah
1: So a lot of I... people have used this to say that therefore everything's clean god makes every god made everything clean so like a lot of people will reduce the entirety of acts chapter 10 to just being about we no longer have to worry about eating bacon cheeseburgers yes there's another famous passage in the gospels where people like to do the same thing you know what it is
0: uh, I assume it's something with Paul and eating meat that was at altars. No,
1: nope. But that's a that's a good guess. I'll give you that one. Oh, thank you. So in Mark seven, the Pharisees approached Jesus and his disciples in the marketplace, and they got their knickers in a twist about something. What is it?
0: Um, that uh, they were eating with unwashed hands.
1: Yes. And what were they? What were they worried was going to happen since their hands were not washed?
0: That they would be impure,
1: and therefore do what to the food they're eating? Make it impure. And what is Jesus's response to that?
0: Whatever is impure comes from
1: within, not uh, what you ingest. Sure, that's that's kind of his inc- conclusion to this. But what is his response to that particular notion?
0: Um. Let's see. Uh, he quotes Isaiah: "The people honor me with their lips, but uh, their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings were merely human rules."
1: So his this is he quotes something. It's it's paraphrased. Okay. Uh, it's parenthetical, rather, um, in verse nineteen. Uh, The parentheses
0: in verse 19. Ah, Uh, In in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean.
1: So, wow, such interpretive license right there. Uh, You know, it's probably some of the best. So Jesus, in this instance, I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of this passage. The Pharisees approach him, say, how dare your disciples not wash their hands before they eat? In so doing... They have made the food impure that they're eating. Jesus's response to this is, "Don't man-made laws never override God's commands." So, what is a man-made law in this
0: oral tradition?
1: Right, but what what, what specific law? Um, I don't know. You must wash your hands before you eat. Oh. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so you must wash your hands before you eat because if you don't, you'll do what? Make something impure. And Jesus is saying, no, God made those that clean. Your man-made rules can't override what God has done. So therefore whether you wash your hands or not does not change whether or not your lamb chops are clean right and so this this great uh parenthetical where it says thus he declared all foods clean I, we may have talked about this on the podcast before but if not i, I often have. say if someone comes to my house and house sits for me say you george you came over to house sit, and uh you know because we have a dog and stuff and ton and i go away and i said george you may eat any of the food in the house. Have at it. What would I not expect to be missing when I got home? Your dog. Yeah, because why?
0: Because uh, I would not eat your dog. In, in because,
1: a- because she's not food. Yeah. Right? Um, and so when Jesus declares all food clean, he's not declaring things that the jewish people did not view as food as now edible so this is not jesus declaring now that you can have pig so it was jesus saying that lambs are clean regardless of whether you wash your hands regardless of whatever
0: so peter being in simon the tanner's house by entering it and coming into contact with stuff that piss was on he would have rendered himself impure so then mm-hmm. the idea of him in in this vision, getting up, killing something and eating it, he is making whatever it is that he is about to eat impure because he hasn't gone through his ritual washing or he hasn't washed his hands.
1: So you're, you're pretty close. You're, okay. you're definitely on the right track. Now, Peter would have been one of the disciples in that. So he would have heard the teaching of Jesus that says, washing your hands, doesn't impact the food you eat
0: yeah but he also heard
1: that he'd deny him i agree so but there was a tradition that if if i had a lamb and the lamb became just think of like fox and the hound right go old school disney again right yeah and unlikely friends so the unlikely friend of this lamb is a pig And they become buddies. They hang out all the time. One of them dies at the end of the story. It's really sad, but we don't need to talk about that. Okay. So Israel, many people within Israel, including Peter in this moment, would have called the lamb impure because of its contact with an unclean animal. Got it.
0: But if we're rolling with the the teaching that jesus gives in, Ma- in mark seven it doesn't matter if it came into the contact with the pig the lamb would have been clean regardless.
1: yes okay yep so this is really significant because what we often miss in this is that it says that when the sheet was lowered down there were impure animals and there were unclean animals um not one type of animal but they're impure and unclean so when god says take and eat um peter's response isn't i've never eaten an unclean animal what is his response
0: i have never eaten anything impure or unclean
1: right because he's differentiating between the two he's recognizing that there are clean animals and there are unclean animals and that because they all were mingled together on this sheet that covered the earth that in some way it had become tainted and so he's telling god i've never eaten anything unclean and i've never eaten anything impure Why is this important? Um, I
0: assume there's imagery there for going to the Gentiles and and speaking to them about uh, what what Peter has to say about Jesus. Yeah, particularly
1: going into the person's home, right? Which over time in Israel became something that most Israelites would not do. They would not go into a Gentile home, not out of... Now, I want to be careful here. Was there prejudice? Was there stuff like that, bigotry and stuff? Probably amongst the Israelites thinking that the Gentiles were below them. But that's not where that came from. Where that came from was about ritual purity and came from wanting to honor God. Yeah. We can do lots of screwed up things in from the lens of trying to honor God that is very oppressive and terrible and horrible. Just, we don't even need to make very many guesses to get there. Right. Absolutely. So, so by this time in Israel's story, most, most Jews would not enter the house of a Gentile because of the potential for becoming ritually impure Uh, or, you know, uh, mingling so to speak with the gentiles sure so now this picture is god lowering this this sheet and it covers the entire earth and you what, what do you imagine that's forecasting
0: uh the great commission comes to mind going and making disciples of all nations
1: right to the four corners of the earth like yeah. this is what it's supposed to look like this is what it's supposed to be, and you can do it without fear because when you go and you bring this salvation, when you go and you bring this, because here's the thing. Does God hate pigs? No.
0: I, I, I would say probably not.
1: Right. Uh, no. like They're animals. They're creatures. God made them. God created them right that this we've confused in christianity uh like impure and unclean as being negative and it's not and i would argue was happening within israel at some level too right that it became a stigma instead of just a status right like i sneeze into my hand I know you should do it into the crook of your arm, but for, for just conversation, I sneeze into my hand. My hand is not now bad, but I should wash it. Right. Um, but it hasn't ruined my hand. Um, and so this whole picture is that we, these aren't, these things aren't bad. The Gentiles aren't bad. They aren't inherently wicked. They aren't inherently evil. They're not terrible. They're not the antithesis of Israel. They're not the enemy. They're just different. They represent a different part or portion of God's idea of the fullness of creation. Does Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: makes sense.
1: So now we're left with this picture of of the, the sheep being lowered of him having this experience. And now all of a sudden at the end of it, God pulls it up and says, what?
0: Oh, uh, sorry. I was not even thinking about what he said. Um, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean?
1: Right. So verse 17, then
0: Uh, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, three men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped in at the gate. You want me to keep going? Yep. Okay. They called out asking if Simon Peter or if Simon, who was known as Peter was staying there while Peter was still thinking about the vision. The spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Go or so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Yeah. Went-
1: Good. Okay. Going.
0: Peter went down uh, and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius centurion. He is a righteous and God fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A Holy angel has told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say.
1: Then Peter invited the men into the house to be
0: his guests.
1: Yes. So like, Peter gets it now. Like he's like, I don't understand this. What was this all about? And then three Gentiles show up. Yeah. And he goes down and he invites them into his home. Um. So a quick aside, how is Cornelius described? Verse 22 is more so what I'm thinking of. Not his job, but his character seems to be described.
0: Um, righteous and God fearing. Yeah. So what is God fearing? I are you asking what it means today or what I think it means or what it meant in first century. What it meant then. <laughs> I have no clue. Cannot remember.
1: So this is where Paul's letters get really, really complicated. Oh, this is where they get complicated? Yeah, and you'll understand why in a second, right? Okay. So you have so I'm gonna give you the different types of people that Paul is usually addressing within one church okay now we've done really good in our churches to to get rid of anyone that disagrees with us
0: well I mean right? you can't have you know dissenting voices
1: like how many churches have you walked into that are an and a relatively even mix of political views or an even mix of theological views or like we the majority just don't yeah. we just don't do that right correct Like we, we separate that's a, that's a liberal church. That's a conservative or fundamentalist church. That's a, whatever, you know, uh, whatever theological divides we can find, we, we tend to just split the church. Yeah. But in the churches that Paul was writing to, he had Jews who became convinced that Jesus was Messiah. And I want to be very careful. I do not like calling them converts to Christianity because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, not a new religion. So Agreed. you have Jews that con- were convinced Jesus was Messiah. You have uh, Gentiles who become convinced Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Okay. And those would be proselytes or converts. You have uh, Christians who converted to Judaism, or I'm sorry, Gentiles who converted to Judaism that now believe Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So the difference between a Gentile becoming, uh, believing Jesus is the Messiah without becoming Jewish first is they probably weren't circumcised and don't necessarily follow the 613 laws. The Gentiles that became Jewish first have been circumcised, follow the 613 laws, and now believe Jesus is Messiah there's some conflict between those two, believe me, because they're like, wait, you're telling me I still have to observe the 613 laws, but these schmucks that just came in, you're telling me according to acts 15, that they only have to follow six out of the 613. What about the other 607? Right. Yeah. Then you have God fears, God fears maintained their gods, but also, accepted and believed in yahweh Hmm. but they had not abandoned their other gods and so a god fear was like they believed that the jewish god was indeed god and they were welcomed in the synagogue. And this is so important because we have such bad views of Judaism and it's just not fair or true. Uh, It would be marked on Twitter with a uh, check your sources thing. Um, That the Jews had God fears constantly. In fact, there's all throughout Israel, you can find uh, synagogues that had a list of the God fears that helped build the synagogue. Um. And they were welcomed in the synagogues uh, and they weren't expected to convert uh, in order to participate. And so Cornelius is a God which means he's maintained his Roman gods, but he also recognizes Yahweh to be God. This is also important with the vision, right? And this, this disrupts a lot of our view because what, shows up to Cornelius an uh, an angel. Yeah. So God isn't prohibited in some way from showing up to a God fear. It doesn't say, well, we have to wait till Cornelius drops his other gods before God's going to interact. But instead God shows up and, and it speaks to him. Uh, This all goes against a lot of our evangelical thinking, right? um so what do you think so far like thoughts feedback i mean I, this is a lot
0: yeah no it is a lot i mean um you know this is we're talking about stuff i haven't tapped into or, or read about in in years so it's just like a it's like opening up the floodgates <laughs> pretty much you know um synapses are firing that haven't in in a while so i'm just thinking about all of this and you know where I, where I used to be at, and, and um, just the idea that, you know, we, in in my experience, um, especially in the evangelical church, uh, we like to say that God is still moving today, um, but we don't actually act like it. Yep. So, like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're talking about the God fear is being in. Um, a lot in the synagogues and how, you know, I would say evangelicals and I know would be like, Oh yeah, let's bring these people in. Um, you know, after all, all are welcome, but not actually mean it. Like yep. there's a, the giant asterisk uh, next to the all are welcome. It's the, you are welcome. If you are willing, no, you're, you're welcome to come, but if you want to stay, you, it's expected that you change in the way that we think you need to change.
1: Agreed. Yep. So what time of day does this take place?
0: Uh, for, I don't know. Hold on. Let me consult the text. Verse 9. Verse 9. About noon.
1: So what just happens a couple chapters earlier at noon?
0: <laughs> uh, the giving of uh, tongues? <laughs> the, no. There's got to be a better way to say that one. <laughs>
1: The time that God tongued 3,000 people? Yeah, yeah. um, No, it's Cornelius. Not Cornelius, I'm sorry. The Ethiopian eunuch. Oh. And um, Philip goes to him at noon. And again, doesn't fit the criteria. He's a eunuch. He's an immigrant. Yeah. He's, talk about, uh, you know, anti-evangelical. He is a eunuch, which makes him a sexual minority, therefore part of the queer community. He's a person of color. He's an immigrant. He has a disability, all these things. And yet, um, still, it says, there's water. Give me a reason I shouldn't be baptized now. Philip doesn't even begin to come up with anything. Instead, Philip stops the chariot and instantly baptizes him wouldn't that be great if we still believed that way
0: um wouldn't it be great if we acted that way because like believing it isn't enough wouldn't it be great
1: if we actually knew the bible i mean um so who else is do we know that is famous within the gospels for a noon encounter uh paul so I was thinking that, and in Acts, it doesn't say noon. But Paul talks about his uh, experience on the road to Damascus at another point, and I do think it mentions at noon because I think it says it was noon, the brightest part of the day, and the light that came was even brighter. So I do think you're correct. I don't think Acts actually mentions noon, but okay. I could be wrong about that. That's just – that's actually, I think, the previous chapter. Um but I do believe that that's correct, but that could be that I saw that in a cartoon. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm yeah. remembering it. Yeah. But the woman at the well. Oh, that's right. The Samaritan woman, it's noon. Yeah. And so there seems to be lots of these noon encounters with unexpected or unlikely individuals experiencing the favor of God when it seems counter to the way that they would normally be treated or engaged by God. It's really interesting. Um, and Paul, if we do want to say Paul was at noon and someone can do that, look that up for us because I'm lazy. Um, Paul is blind for three days and we have Peter three times here. So the three is repeated. And what is the sign of Jonah?
0: Uh, Three days in the, in the yep, whale. Yeah.
1: Three days in the belly of the whale, right? Jesus, uh, three days in the grave. So all these threes are happening um, as well. So we're left then. So let me read something from, this is why George, you've heard me talk about this before. This is the, danger in my opinion of our our sloppy and simple reading of the text right because think about all the stuff we just pulled out of this and i'm trying to make it as brief as possible to fit on a podcast we could go for hours and um and that's what I want to encourage people with. Like, the text is so deep. There's so many inferences and references and allusions to other places in the text that should make our bones burst with excitement. So, verse two of Jonah. What, um, is it chapter one? one or, okay. Yeah. So, let's start with verse one. Read verse one two and three okay we're gonna pulling it up one second two seconds pulling it up means digital
0: yep okay you said one two and what three
1: yeah just one through three
0: okay uh the word of the lord came to jonah son of amati hope that's correct go to the great city of nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me, but Jonah ran away from the Lord, and headed for Tarshish. He went up to Joppa, uh, uh, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee
1: from the Lord. Right. So, how does your verse two begin? Like, what's the very first word or two? Go to. Okay, so it's arise. Oh, the word is actually arise. Get up. Arise, go to. Right? Yeah. Now, when G- when God appears to Peter and says uh and does the the imagery or that drops the sheet and stuff in verse 20 of chapter 10, what does God say to Peter? Uh,
0: God says to Peter so get up and go downstairs
1: arise arise and, go. and so again we have this this callback this like arise and go arise and go now Jonah flees from jo- uh, from Joppa Peter is given so I love when we get to uh, verse or chapter three in Jonah, God says it again in verse two. He's now been vomited up on the beach and God says to him, arise, go to Nineveh. Right. And here we are at the end of this section with Peter and it says the next day he rose and went away with them. And so we have Peter is is now doing what Jonah should have done in the first place. Um, so I guess what I want to do now, like, I, I'm not, I don't want to wrap this in a nice neat bow because there's so much to it. And I would do it, I would, would not do it any justice to try and give Uh, to wrap this up because um, there's just so much to it. But what would you say, George, is kind of your takeaway from this? And I'm asking you for how you think that this is is applicable today for us. Like, what does this, this mean to us today? How should we read this in today's world? Um,
0: I well the f- very first thing that comes to mind is to do the hard work worth doing okay so um, oh man okay there's there's a lot happening in my mind that I'm going to try and figure out how to uh, make a cohesive sentence out of oh, that's um, fine there's there's a podcast that Jet and I are listening to right now called The Missionary. And it's... A, hey, let's...
1: Uh, let, wait, 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 wait. It's, 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 it's about... Mother.
0: It's about the... Uh, 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 a, a, a woman who at 19 went over to Uganda and set up a baby home. And this is in the news end of last year how there were a number of children that um, passed in her care. Mm. Uh, and so it's this journal uh, that these journalists remember
1: this story. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think we even talked about it and may not have been recorded. I can't remember anyway. Um, but so these journalists go to Uganda and do some of the research on it and, and trying to figure out what actually happened. And there's um, an organization called no, no white saviors, no more white saviors, something like that. I, uh, the note will be in the, uh, in the footnote, anyway, um, and the, part of it is examining how missionaries have worked in the past, uh, you know, the the colonialism of that and everything. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And I was reading this morning, um, I can't remember if it was on social media or an actual quote in, in a news uh, thing, how Christians are so quick to um, go help people of color that aren't in their country Mm -hmm. um and you know there's been a lot of uh attempted or violent acts against people of color that have continued to come to light um because people have cameras stuff that's been going on forever (laughs) you know right and and so like i've been thinking about all this especially this morning um and you're you know here is peter getting arising and going to speak with cornelius but the difference is cornelius wants to hear what he has to say there's consent mm. that's involved in this
1: oh i see what you're saying so not in in the not in the colonializing missionary sense correct right, that, okay i see what you're saying got it
0: um so there's you know the 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 idea of the great commission and you know we, we talk about this quite often discipleship is is a process that takes years and years and years and you never fully arrive somewhere but the idea is you know you're able to move on and and teach others what you have learned but there's always some type of consent involved in that you know it, it was a long process for me to be able to start to learn from you in in that way um and just how evangelicalism has approached this idea of you know throwing up blankets and <laughs> saying this is all clean, we have permission to do this now. Um, that uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I, that's that. So that that's that's what's going through my mind with all of this. Yeah. So I don't know if there's application in that,
1: but yeah, for me I love I love the Book of Acts. For oftentimes many different reasons than other people probably do, Mm -hmm. Um, because the first several interactions with either conversions and or and I use the term conversion very lightly in this because I don't again view Paul as a convert, but who is welcome to participate in the renewed covenant under Jesus as Messiah is becomes, just keeps breaking down barriers, yeah, breaking down these walls, right? Language used in the text, these yeah. barriers that keep people. And it begins with the Ethiopian who doesn't fit any of the mold and is baptized instantly. Right person of color, sexual minority, disability uh, and uh, immigrant. And then you have Paul, Saul, who persecuted people who believed in Jesus as Messiah. And he is welcomed. And now you have Cornelius, impure, God-fearer, not convert, Who is welcome? And this whole thing is telling us the kingdom is way bigger than you ever imagined. And those who are welcome to participate in the kingdom is so much bigger and so much broader than anything you imagined. And Jonah should have seen it. Because for the people of Nineveh to repent, it means they had to have had a place in the kingdom. Even before Jesus, God was concerned about Nineveh. They weren't Jews. Nineveh wasn't Jewish. Nineveh was Gentile. Repent for what? They weren't Jewish. But yet God seemed to imagine that they had a place in the kingdom. This is so significant for us that, man, I just wish that we as Christians would would embrace this picture that the kingdom is bigger, more vast and more diverse than anything we ever imagined and it's worth celebrating not being afraid to take and eat. Yeah.
0: So you were talking about all that and um I'm just like my mind's firing <laughs> on a couple of different cylinders and I know we need to wrap up soon but like uh, Isaiah 56 Came to mind, which is the passage where, um, at verse three. Uh, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say there uh, the Lord will surely exclude me from His people, and let no e- eunuch complain I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep My Sabbath, who chooses or who choose what pleases Me to hold fast to My covenant. Uh, to them, I will give them. I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And you know, just goes on. And it's just like, man, this stuff has been in the text from the beginning, and I just wish we acted like we believed it sometimes.
1: And I wish we would recognize that it's been there within Judaism, and it's not a Christian concept. Absolutely, it is a God concept. I
0: think that that's the best note to end on. Um, Well, uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Avenger Bros. If you really like this podcast, go over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Um, Due to algorithms, hey, you know what? Rate us whatever you think. Algorithms really like five stars, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. (laughs) Um, We're also over on Patreon at Avenger Bros. Um, and if you have any questions, want to talk more about this, if uh, you know you have any suggestions or, hey, we disagree with you because of this reason, uh, shoot us an email, evangelbros at gmail.com. I have been your co-host, George.
1: I've been your other co-host, Don. Have a great week, everyone. See ya.